0: Hello everyone, my name is Madeline and thank you so much for tuning into to our podcast. As a teacher, when you're standing in front of a classroom, there are many different types of students that are sitting in your class. And as a teacher, you have to accommodate to every single student. In this podcast, we're going to be talking about the ENL and ELL students. ENL stands for English New Language and ELL means English Language Learners. These are students that are learning English as a new language and they're taken out from their classroom from time to time to have time accommodated to them to learn English, and they have a different curriculum. So these students are having a difficult time learning English, and not only are they just learning English, they're also learning new material in a language that they do not completely understand. So these students need to be taken into an incredible amount of consideration to make sure that they excel in their education and pass with flying colors. In this podcast, we're going to talk about a science classroom, an English classroom, and a history classroom. To start off with the podcast, on the first year of school, I think it's extremely important to ask students what languages they speak either at home or at school. I would also like to know if the students prefer a certain language that my presentations and handouts can be translated into languages that my students speak. As a biology major, one of my favorite topics that I learned while in high school was about the cell and its organelles. On the first day of the topic being introduced, I think it would be very important to have images and pictures all around the classroom. And underneath all the images, I would have labels, and each label would read the terminology in English and in any other language that my students speak. Not only will I have the images all around the classroom, this will be helpful to students because they'll be able to put a name to an image. This will also help students that are more visual learners and will help them pick up the topic more easily. And because these images are present all around the classroom, if a student's mind begins to wander, their eyes might land on the picture placed around the room, hopefully helping them committing this new terminology to memory. When introducing new vocabulary words, I think it's very important that the students dissect the word. Have the students find out what the root word is and where it originated from. For example, most scientific words have Latin roots, so the students can figure out what the Latin root is and what it means. This will help students, especially those of Spanish-speaking countries, feel represented. While introducing students to the new terminology, pronounce it very slowly so that all students can understand. However, when the student is using the new terminology and mispronounce the word, do not make them feel less than by correcting their pronunciation. Make sure that all students feel welcome and safe in your classroom, knowing that their culture and language will not be belittled. There is no correct way of pronouncing a word. Each and every student has their own unique way of pronouncing something, and let's embrace that. When presenting your lesson, try to incorporate the different ways to say the new vocabulary words in the languages that your students speak. I feel as though it will bring your students a sense of comfort hearing their home language at school. For example, when you're teaching about cells and organelles, you can say, these are the organelles of the cells. And right after, you can say, Aquí están los orgánulos de la célula. After every new vocabulary word said in English, you can repeat it in the home languages that your students speak, and you can possibly have your own students say the word in their own language so that their peers can learn as well. When students are working on classwork, create groups. These groups should be composed of students who are new language learners and students who speak their native language, as well as English. This will be beneficial to both parties because the student who is helping the English new learner can make sure that they themselves understand the topic at hand, while the English new learner is getting information to them by a peer, and sometimes students can relate to one another much better than a teacher can students. Thank you so much for listening to the science part of the podcast. Now it's time to pass on the microphone to Alex Blage and Catherine, who will talk about helping EL students in an English classroom.
1: Hi, my name is Alex and today I'm going to talk to you about the strategies we can use in in English classroom to better help our students learn. So the first thing that I think is really good is visual work, drawing out scenes from the books you're reading. One thing that I think is really cool are classics that get turned into graphic novels. I know for me personally, I had to read a bunch of Edgar Allan Poe short stories and poems in a graphic novel format and it definitely helped me understand what was happening and understand more of the metaphors because you have this sort of scenery that you can look at and it definitely helps you comprehend all the intricacies of the writing more. And it is especially helpful for students that are just learning English or who may not have English as a first language since they can see everything played out and not just words on a paper. I also think encouraging translanguaging is a really good strategy, especially in an English classroom. This way you can allow the students to connect to the writing with their own languages. It would really help them grasp the material better and it'll help other students learn as well because they can learn this language that this student is more comfortable with and it would really help with the overall atmosphere in the classroom. Along with translanguaging, I think it is very important to allow for a student to process what they wanna say before they speak. So you have to allow for that awkward silence after you ask a question, especially to students whose first language is not English. I know as someone who is bilingual and has parents who are immigrants, they often need a little more time to answer my questions because they are translating what I said in English into their language, which is Romanian. And I know I do that with friends as well sometimes because my first language is also Romanian. So if someone is talking to me in English, while I did grow up here and while I can better understand English than my parents, there are some times when I just need a little more time to process things. And even with students whose first language is English, It is still hard sometimes to answer questions right away. I know from me personally, I have an auditory processing disorder and it is very hard for me to understand sentences right away and I do need a little bit of time to process what someone has said before I answer. So definitely allow for that awkward silence. It helps greatly. And it definitely takes away some of the anxiety that students have when they're asked a question, if they know that they're allowed that time to think about their answer and to properly form it in their head before they say it out loud. And lastly, I think that teaching vocabulary words before starting a new book is a really useful strategy. I know in high school, this is definitely something that helps me a lot. We had some memorized vocabulary words that would be present in the literature that we were reading at the time, and it definitely helped me a lot while reading the actual book because I didn't have to spend more mental energy figuring out what those words meant rather than focusing on the plot or the setting or the characters. I could just know the words and keep going on with the book. And again, as with everything else on this list, it is definitely helpful to students whose first language is not English because they don't have to worry about not knowing what a word is. Also phonetic spellings I think are a really good thing too, especially with bigger words or words that don't sound like the way they're written because English has a lot of those and I know that would have definitely been helpful to me in school rather than just trying to sound it out if I didn't know it because there's a lot of pressure on students, especially like teenagers, to get everything right and they don't want to be embarrassed in front of the class. So phonetic spellings definitely would have helped a lot as well. Thank you for listening to my section of this episode. I hope it was interesting and
2: yeah. Hi, I'm Katherine. I want to discuss some strategies today on how to help students learn English while in a high school English classroom. It's important to recognize that not every student will be on the same level with English. So it's imperative to get a sense of how comfortable each individual student is with English. That way you can personalize learning strategies and figure out what works best for each student. In my opinion the most effective way for students to learn english is to get to know the students on an individual level more generally speaking i think having students be involved in making decisions when it comes to classwork and assignments is really helpful giving students options for projects will help them be more comfortable especially if they aren't confident with one aspect of english yet for example if i assigned everyone to write an essay for a final project that might alienate students who aren't comfortable writing essays writing in english instead i plan to give my students many options for final projects including essays presentations visual projects like drawing or making a video or something like that anything the students might want to do this way students will be able to choose whichever option will work best for them encouraging better learning in the classroom you know if students aren't comfortable they're not going to feel ready to learn or engage themselves in class in the same vein as this i want students to be able to read books in whatever language that they feel comfortable with. I don't want the only option to be books in English because I feel like that will also alienate students who aren't you know, as good at English as others. And I want everyone to have the opportunity to read a book that they really like and that they can engage with. So I wanna have many books in different languages available for students to read in my classroom. I also want to be able to give students an opportunity to read a book and make a project about a book that they want, that they choose, which will give students the option to feel really passionate about whatever book they want to talk about, and it doesn't have to be in English, so students that might not know English, might not be comfortable reading in English, can still participate and have a good time and feel like they are at home in the classroom. Alex already mentioned the importance of letting students use their native language in the classroom through translanguaging, and I agree with him 100%. Uh, in the same vein, letting students sit with other students that share their same language will help them feel more comfortable in learning English. They'll be able to practice English while not feeling trapped by not understanding things around them. They'll be able to ask each other questions and answer their questions in English or in whatever language they're most comfortable with. You know, this will make them more comfortable asking questions with each other if they have, you know, questions like they'll be able to help each other. Encouraging students to help each other will also make them more familiar with their peers, with their classmates, which will create a sense of camaraderie and support in the classroom. If students are familiar with each other, if they're comfortable with each other, they'll be more likely to, you know, share their opinions in class, to ask questions to each other to me without fear of judgment that they'll be made fun of for their English or that they'll even be made fun of for whatever ideas they're expressing. If they're comfortable with each other and if they're friendly with each other that fear will be lessened which will create a sense of support in the classroom. I always want my students to feel comfortable using their native language as a tool to fall back on while learning English. I don't want anyone to feel like they can't use whatever language they're most comfortable with because then they won't you know, they won't be able to learn English as effectively if they can't use the tools that they already have, which is their whatever languages they're comfortable with. I believe that the most important thing for students is to feel comfortable in that classroom. If they don't feel comfortable, they'll be less likely to take risks or engage with the material or ask questions or share their ideas with each other. Letting students learn at their own pace and giving them resources like letting them choose whatever projects they want to do or having multiple languages available in books in my classroom will help them not feel intimidated in, in trying to learn English because English, learning English shouldn't be intimidating. It should be fun. And I want my students to be able to find the fun in learning English and not be scared.
3: Hey, my name is Alex Mosley. I am a sociology major at Delphi University. In the future, I plan to be a history teacher So with that being said, I will be covering the history portion, different strategies on how to teach English new language learners and English language learners in the classroom. First and foremost, I think, you know, when dealing with ELL students and ENL students, it is very important to first take a step in their shoes to realize how difficult it is to comprehend history in general. And then on top of that, if you add on, you know, not being familiar with the country, not being familiar with English, I think it compounds the situation even more. What I've noticed in these in you know school systems is that history is taught by memorizing and masterizing events that happen from the beginning of the time to present. With ELL students, I don't think that is the proper way to teach history. I feel like what you want to do is to worry about them receiving the the most important parts of the content first and, you know, focusing on that. In other words, you want them to have the knowledge of a citizen rather than the knowledge of a US historian, which that's how School systems you know try to teach it nowadays. A method that I found to be you know very productive is teaching in reverse chronological order. What this allows us teachers to do is to teach the most recent events that relate to our contemporary issues and ideas first and making that the main priority in our teachings. After we teach the most recent events and issues, then we could dig into the past a little bit if it gets to that point. When we teach the more past events in history, the teaching points will be more selective and mostly only the most significant or the must know chunks will be taught. For ELL students, this has proven to work because they may have a little prior knowledge of some of the recent events that have happened. So this may spark a relatableness factor and have them want to actually learn about it more. It can also help them when we dig deeper into the past content because they will be able to develop judgment and hindsight thinking. The second point that I found was when teaching ELLs, we should be culturally inclusive. When delivering presentations and assignments, it will create an environment where cultural diversity is celebrated and it will create an atmosphere where students are engaged because their country is talked about in the teachings. For the third point, I also think that scaffolding is incredibly important. Being able to teach the content in chunks allows for us to really take the time to Make sure English language learners understand what is being taught within the chunks. Also, making sure that we use, you know, outside tools to help the students put memory context to the content that they are learning. Some examples may be, you know, having students view certain pictures in relation to the content that they're learning because it allows them to associate and make sense of the the content, which will ultimately help them learn it. Through all of those examples, the main idea. I would say coming from that is, you know, to not change the teaching content, but to change the way it is being presented. We have to adapt to the curriculum in a way which a new group of students can understand and acquire engagement in it as well. So just to review, uh, the first point was, you know, teaching it in reverse chronological order. The second point is being culturally inclusive. And third point is scaffolding. Those are just a few of the strategies that I'll be implementing into my history class. Yeah, other than that, I would like to thank everybody for listening and tuning into the podcast.